listening to this message. I believe that God's going to speak to you, and that is my prayer uh, here today as I woke up this morning and was praying uh, for you. Um, but in w- last week, we revisited our regrets. It's important for us to revisit them and to not to regret our regrets, but to actually love our regrets. Because when we love our regrets, and then and we place value in our regrets, we're able uh, to learn from them and able to put them to good use and to make very positive uh, change in our life. And it's not just about making good choices. Oh, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make better choices this time. It's more of a lifestyle change and that's what regrets do. So when regrets happen, don't regret them, learn from them, love them, and put value to them and then um, make that, have that be positive change in your life. Uh, regrets happen, I believe, when we pursue longings outside of God. You know, God has given you the longing to be loved and to love. God has given you the longing to, to have purpose in your life. Um, God has, has given you uh, the longing uh, to, to make a difference. And, um, and when we try to pursue these longings, and you see it in the world, you see it in the world, when we try to make these um, uh, the, fulfill these longings outside of God, that's when we have regrets in our life. If we all want to be loved and, and feel loved, and if, we, and if we want to be with someone in our life, a relationship, and we do that outside of God's longings and of God, God's biblical principles, then we have regrets. However, when we want to show love and be loved and be in a relationship, then we, um, and if we do that through, the, through God's plan and God's principles and God's direction, then there will be very few, if any, regrets if we do that correctly. So um, we all have those regrets that really start outside of, the, uh, you know, pursuing those longings outside of God. Um, we talked about last week that there's three different types of regrets. There's a regret of action. Uh, which says you're feeling sorry for what you did. Uh, there's um, regrets of inaction. You're feeling sorry that you missed out on something. Man, I, I should have done that, all right? Um, and there's also the uh, regrets of reaction. You're feeling sorry for how you respond uh, to what others, uh, other people did to us. You know, people, people are going to do things to us that's going to hurt us and harm us, and how we, we react to that is, is very important. Sometimes we can react in a way that's like, Okay, I shouldn't have retaliated like that. You know, I should have done it this way. And so that's a, a, re, a regret of reaction. But God wants to rewrite your story. We talked about Peter last week, how, how Peter had major regrets denying Christ three times. And Jesus wanted to rewrite his story. And Jesus wants to rewrite your story as well. He's got this story uh, for you. And, um, and, and uh, he wants to do that. And the way to do that is to start off by understanding, hey, I'm going to revisit our regrets. I'm going to revisit my regrets. So it starts off with that. Because if you remember, when Jesus, when he rose from the dead and he was on the earth for about 40 uh, days at different places, he came back to Peter and he could have totally put this whole situation of his regrets under the rug. But Jesus loved Peter more than that. And he brought to his attention those regrets. And he's like, you know, I'm not bringing this to you because to make you feel bad. I'm going to bring this to you to let you know that I love you and for you to tell me you love me. And so it's important to revisit those regrets. We did that last week. For those of you who are here, I gave you an index card. And you put a regret 
or two or 20 or whatever those regrets are. And, and I ask you not to put your name on it, which nobody did, which is great, okay? And let me tell you something. Sunday afternoon, when I got home last week, I read through those regrets. And I'm going to tell you, as your pastor, it, it burdened my heart tremendously, tremendously. I've been praying for our church. Now, I can't pray for you individually because I don't know, you know, what regret goes with who, but those pile of regrets, praying that God will help us deal with those because those are, there's some pretty, you know, severe sort of regrets, some big things. There's some small things as well, but there's some big regrets. And I'm just thinking, our baby plant church has all of these big, huge regrets, and my heart went out to you. And some of you even expressed, man, just writing them down, revisiting my regret, writing them down and just turning them in, man, that was, that was big, that was huge for me to be able to, to revisit my regret. And we can't go beyond our regret and live beyond our regret until we revisit them. And so we were able to do that uh, last week. And, um, and so what we're going to do with those throughout the next three weeks is something that I think you're going to really uh, see how impactful it is. Um, this week, uh, now that we've revisited our regrets, it's time to respond to our regrets. What do we do about them? You, you turn those in as you left, for those of you who did that. You know, or maybe you're thinking of some regrets right now if you weren't here this, um, the last week. But you turn those in, but what do we do with that? What do you do with your regrets? How do you respond to that? Over the next three weeks, I'm going to show you biblical ways we can respond to our regrets. Today, we're going to learn how to recognize our regrets for what they are. Now, recognizing our regrets is different than kind of revisiting them. Because recognizing our regrets, we could have regrets right now in our life that we don't even know are there. And we're going to get to this. And we need to recognize what those regrets are. We're going to see a great biblical passage uh, about this. And so how do we properly recognize our regrets? How do we recognize our regrets? Well, last week when you put your cards in the basket with your regret, uh, we took those and we put them on a display. And so with this display, you're going to see some regrets. And on this canvas, you will see every card that was turned in is represented. Now, not every regret that, we, that was turned in, we put on here. We needed the bigger board. <laughs> and that's fine. But we put at least one regret from every card on this. And you can see, you might even, can, and, and, and even after church, we, you know, feel free to come up here and, and look at this. But you can see there's some, some regrets. Obviously, some are bigger and bolder and some are smaller. And, but as you can see from that, you can maybe even recognize your regret. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to recognize our regret. And what we're going to do with this canvas 
of the next couple of weeks, all I can say is you don't want to miss it. It's going to to change your life. And it's going to change the way you look at your regrets. And it's going to help you to start over and get beyond those regrets. You know, most of the time when we put words on canvas, we, uh, we, write, we write them very pretty. Like whenever uh, we gave the, the canvas to Betty Jo, it was very well written, had some calligraphy handwriting to it, some decorative stuff on it. It's, it's very elegant. You know, regrets aren't elegant. Regrets are messy, aren't they? They're messy. And sometimes they, they scream off the pages or the canvas of our life. And so, regrets, as we put them on the canvas, we said, you know, we're going to display them for what they are. Now, my purpose today is not to shame us. Hey, here's your regret. We're going to put it on display. Woohoo! That's not our purpose to shame. Our purpose is, again, last week, we revisited them. We wrote them down. We turned them in. This week, we're going to recognize them. Obviously, you've recognized here on the canvas. Okay? And this is just an, a visual of what we're going to be doing in God's Word today. And as we recognize what those are. So, I've got some practical things that you and I can do. I've got some do's and don'ts uh, that may help us. Okay? So, how do we properly recognize our regrets? Okay? Number one. We uh, don't dwell on your regrets. Don't dwell on your regrets. We want to learn from our regrets, so it's good to analyze a a regret and try to understand what really happened. It's like, man, what, what happened there? But all too often, here's the problem. We go way beyond performing some sort of uh, helpful post-analysis of the regret. We go way beyond that uh, to the point to where we just sort of revisit this over and over and over in our mind until we torture ourselves with our regret. I believe there are some people here today, you can't sleep at night because of some regrets in your life. Or you can't even have relationships with certain people because of regrets in your life. You can't even drive by a certain area of town. You go the opposite way because of regrets in your life. And let me tell you something. This isn't healthy. In fact, it's the opposite of healthy. You and I, we have the power to um, select what we allow in our minds. You have the ability, especially as, as a Christ follower, it was the Spirit of God in us, you have the power to, to uh, control what goes in your mind. In 2 Corinthians, if, if you want to turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we have this on the Scripture, we also have it on the YouVersion Bible app. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says... We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. So if you dwell in your regrets, you're allowing arguments in your mind to take place the, the, uh, the count and to take um, Uh, to take place that counter the knowledge of God. So the knowledge of God, God knows, God knows what he wants to do in your life. He knows what regrets you have. And he knows how, uh, how to help you move beyond the regrets. However, if we keep having those regrets over and over again in our mind, revisit them all the time, and let that take center place in our thought, 
then we are replacing the knowledge of God, as it says in Scripture, with our regrets. And Paul is saying, take captive those things. Take captive those things. Think of it like this. If I make a regretful decision because I'm seeking love or purpose outside of God, then it's sin. If I'm seeking love outside of God's plan, then it's sin. If I confess that sin and ask God and others to forgive me, then I need to lean into the grace of God. I have been forgiven. It's gone. And if I try to bring it up to God, he doesn't know what I'm talking about because he can't remember it because he's forgiven me. Same with you. If you have regrets because you decided to fulfill some sort of longing outside of God, then ask for forgiveness, confess, and ask God to forgive you and others to forgive you. Take captive those thoughts of regrets. Lock them up so you don't dwell on them. So number one, don't dwell on your regrets. Number two, don't hide from your regrets. Don't hide from your regrets. What may be more dangerous than thinking too much about your regrets is not thinking about them at all. In many ways, we try to ignore or escape from our regrets. Um, have you ever hid from your regrets in, in any of the following ways? Say, like denial. Denial is one way that we hide from our regrets. An example would be this. I can't remember ever doing anything wrong to any of them. It was their fault, not mine. We hide from our regrets in denial when we rationalize or minimize our regret. So, yet yeah, we don't want to... We don't want to constantly dwell on our regrets, but at the same time, we don't want to hide from them either. And we want to be able to understand if we're living in denial about certain things in our life, then we could be hiding from our regrets. Another way we can hide from our regrets is distraction. It's in solitude and silence that, we, uh, that memories sort of arise. You know, it's important to just find that place um, in, in your, in your, at your home, or maybe some of you in your car, you know, or if you have a lot of kids in your, in your house, uh, the bathroom, you know, because uh, you can lock the door and hopefully nobody comes in. You know, but that solitude, that place where you just say, okay, um, what, is, what is God uh, trying, to, uh, trying to speak to me? And, and that's when God, in those places of solitude and silence, that's when God speaks to us. And that's when the uh, memories arise. And that's when we hear the voice of God. But when thoughts of regrets are too intimidating, we can seek instead to drive them away for whatever means of distractions is at hand. We can't recognize regrets because distractions we create. An example uh, could be if, uh, if a man puts in a ridiculous number of hours at his job, he could just be a workaholic or he could be trying to escape the thoughts of something he regrets. It could be maybe a, a, a busy mom. Maybe she has regrets in her life and she's volunteering for all of these things, you know, in the community. And whether she has a job or not, she's doing all of this stuff and she's busy, busy. She's making herself busy. And when things are silent in her life, she gets scared and she wants to, call, she wants to cause distractions in her life. So she calls somebody. She looks on 
on Facebook, social media. She does these things that cause distractions in her life. Why? Because she wants to hide from her regret. Men, we want to hide from our regret. Okay? Students, you hide from your regret with distractions. Uh, I don't want to think about that right now. I want to do something different. So that's one way we hide. So we hide with our regrets and denial and with distraction. And then the third way we hide from our regrets is with suppression. We suppress them. Um, you know, sometimes when you're in a conversation and you change the subject, you ever done that? When, somebody, when you're in a conversation with somebody and it gets a little bit uncomfortable and you're like, oh, I don't really like where this is going. So, um, so I'm going to change the subject. Okay. Sometimes we do this with our kids at home. You know, if our kids are kind of hanging out at the house and I'm in the kitchen with Suzanne, you know, especially with the older kids who kind of get this, I will bring up something that, you know, about my wife <laughs> that the older kids would kind of understand and get because they've had the talk, you know what I'm saying? And so it, they literally leave the room, you know, and so it becomes awkward or they change the subject. Okay. Hey, how about them Falcons? <laughs> you know, and so they change the subject. And so when things get uncomfortable in our conversations, we do the same thing. You know, we do the same thing in um, in our life when regrets come up. We try to divert or delay our thoughts of regrets so we don't have to deal with them. We suppress them, hoping to bury them so deep that we'll never see them again. We just try not to go there with them at all. So there's a balance between don't dwell on your regrets, but at the same time, don't hide from your regrets. We can't live beyond regrets if we deny them or if we try to hide from them. Only when we are willing to really face our regrets and be honest about them can we pull the, the, the plug of power that our regrets have over us. And there are people in this room, as I was reading your regrets, there are people in this room that some of you have regrets that are, have power over you. So it's time we do this. You know, to, uh, to illustrate this, I want to tell you about a leader who did not recognize his regret. And this leader is found in God's Word. And... Um, and, and, and a, a certain prophet named Nathan went to go visit this leader. And this leader's name was King David. So I can imagine on this particular day in, in Jerusalem, King David is in his throne room. And I can imagine this throne room is large. Maybe it has some flagstone and marble floors. And he's on his throne and he is hearing uh, people giving plea after plea, begging for justice for certain areas in their life. You know, maybe, maybe that particular day, maybe a widow would come to the king and say, you know, dear king, I, I know I owe a lot of debt in my life, but I'm just a, a poor widow. Don't make me give away my only child to slavery in order to help pay for that, have mercy on me. Maybe he heard things like that, or maybe just some other things of injustice that's been done, people calling out for mercy. Well, I can imagine Nathan the prophet 
kind of waiting because this was a conversation that nobody else needed to hear that particular day. And so Nathan and David were friends. Nathan was the prophet of Israel. David was God's man after his own heart, the king, the anointed one. And so I can imagine as the throne room emptied out, Nathan approached the throne. David and him, because they're friends, I'm sure was excited to see him. And, and, and I can only imagine David's like, what brings you here today, Nathan? Well, Nathan says, I've got my own tale of injustice to tell you today. Maybe David sits back and in his throne, kicks his feet up, has a glass of wine, says, hey, let me hear it. I love stories. And, but what, what David didn't realize is this, that Nathan knew David's secrets. How lust had boiled up inside the king when he saw the lovely Bathsheba naked. How David had soon impregnated this woman who belonged to another man. How he had deceived people in order to murder her husband. One of David's most loyal and capable soldiers. How after the murder, David had gone on with his new wife and son as if he had done nothing wrong. At any point in this whole process that spanned over a, a considerable amount of time, David's sense of justice should have erupted and caused him to shame from the evil he was doing. But instead, David hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He didn't recognize his own regret. You know, maybe he was in denial. Maybe distractions. Maybe he was suppressing it. But he didn't recognize his own regret. And so Samuel thought, you know, let me help you with that. So Samuel says, I've got my own tale of injustice to tell David's listening, I'm all ears. We're going to find this in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 through 7. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 through 7, it says this. The Lord sent Nathan, it's a prophet, to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took this lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David, so that's a story. David burned with anger. Now, remember, David just got through listening to all of these pleas, all of these other real-life stories of injustice. So David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. So David's thinking, where is this guy? I'm going to kill him. He must pay for that lamb 
four times over because he did such a, a thing and had no pity. Verse 7 came the blow to David. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. I can imagine. Maybe when David was anger, angry, he, he stood up on the edge of his throne. Where is this guy? Where is this idiot? Where is this man who thinks he could take something that's not his, even though he had plenty, and take from someone who only had one thing, a lamb? Where is this guy? And after those four words of you are the man, we don't know this, but I can only imagine David sat down back into his throne and he knew. He knew exactly what Nathan was talking about. Nathan went on to detail the Lord's disgust with David and the, and the, the decision to punish him. And as he did, the shell Inside, David cracked. He finally faced the awful truth of his transgressions and said, I've sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. You know, maybe you have not done something so extreme. Maybe you have. But could there be regrets that you can't recognize in your life? Have you hardened your heart like David? Some examples could be you're not leading your family down the path of righteousness like you know you should you're kind of ignoring that or filling your life with distractions or maybe in denial or suppressing that or maybe you're not maybe you're sitting here today and you don't know that there's a regret in this life in your life and maybe uh, maybe you're not respecting your husband or or husbands, maybe you're not making your wife beautiful, beautiful with your words and your actions. Maybe you're not spending enough time with your family. Maybe some of you are just wasting too much time on social media. <laughs> Man, that could go by fast. You're spending time on social media. And so there's regrets that you and I could be doing right now, and we don't even recognize it. We don't even recognize it. But it's there. In plain day. The third thing I want you to do with this whole thing of recognizing your regrets. You know, don't, don't dwell on them. Don't hide from them. But here's the do. Do face your regrets head on. Do face your regrets head on. So allow me to be a Nathan to you. I want to speak frankly with kindness. And I want, I want you to just listen to what I have to say right here. If you have been dancing around your regrets, trying to pretend they're not there, it's time to stop. It's time to stop. 
If you've been dancing around your regrets, not recognizing, not facing them, whether they're fresh regrets in your life or regrets that happened a long time ago, it's time that you face them. And it's time to stop pretending they're not there. It's time to bring all the honesty you can to your regrets, recognizing them for what they are. You can't begin to live beyond your regrets if you can't recognize them. So, what, how, how can we recognize them? I'm going to I'm gonna encourage you to be a reporter. You may have heard this. We, there's, there's five W's and, and, and an H that reporters ask all the time. Who was involved? What happened? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Why did it happen? And how? So who, what, when, where, why, and how? I know those are really, really simple. <laughs> but you know, you fell, and I have fallen into regrets. Pretty simply. Pretty, in simple ways. And we can recognize our regret by asking simple questions. Who was involved in the regret? Who was involved in the regret in my life? What happened? What happened? Or maybe you should ask, what's happening now? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Where did this regret take place? And why did it happen? Why did I do this? And then how did it happen? You know, beyond the mere facts of those it's important to understand what are the effects of regret. How has it affected you? And how has it affected others? What does your regret teach you about what you need to do more of, do less of, or to do differently in the future? Let me take for an example. Let's say if you're sitting here today and you've been in this situation, you've been in the marriage in the past, and maybe that, that marriage ended divorce. And some, some people who've been in that situation, they get, they, maybe they're remarried, maybe they're not remarried yet, maybe they don't care to get remarried. But let's say this, whether you are remarried or not, I bet you can look back on your first marriage and say, there were some regrets there that I learned. That I learned. Either that I did or things I didn't do, or I responded in a way that was not Christ-like because of what my spouse, my ex-spouse did to me. And so as you take that, those regrets and as you revisit them and as you recognize them, then you could take that into your second marriage if, if, that, if you choose to do so, or relationship. And so you can learn from your regrets. And that way, you're not, you're not um, denying them. You're not trying to hide from them. You're, you're understanding what they are. But at the same time, you're also not uh, to the point um, where you are trying to, uh, to just dwell on them all the time. Because if you just, if you dwell on them all the time, it means you're not really doing anything about them. 
If you haven't learned from your regrets, it means you're just dwelling on them all the time. So take what you've learned from your regrets and move it forward. Move it forward. So your choice of response is all important. And it's important to your future. That's why you have to be brave enough to face your regrets. Face them, recognize them, stare them down until they lose power over you. When you do that, your regrets will not be a finish line, but your regrets will be a starting line. Your regrets will be a finish line. Your regrets will be a starting line. You know, I learned this from this painful situation in my life. That's not the finish line. It's a starting line. From this point on, this is what I'm learning from my regrets, and I'm making a change in my life. Whatever regret you have in your life, whatever regret, because you could take that regret and even make a difference in, in other people's life. You could see regrets on this board, and you could see how people who've gone through some of those regrets, they can take those regrets and encourage people not to fall in those same regrets or help counsel people outside of those uh, to live beyond those regrets. But I want to encourage you, let the regrets be a starting line, not a finish line. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. These regrets that you revisited and now you're recognizing, cast those on the Lord. Cast those on the Lord. Don't dwell on them. Give it to God. But don't hide from them. Don't hide from them. Give them over to the Lord. Now, as we respond to these regrets, next week, we're actually going to talk about releasing our regrets. Releasing our regrets. Now, these regrets, some of these regrets, these, regret, these regrets are very bold. There's only one thing that could take care of these regrets in your life. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. Because He can take your stain on the canvas of your life and make it white and as new and as white as snow. How do I know that? Because the Bible says Jesus paid it all. He paid every bit of it. And so we just got to believe on that and understand and put our trust that Jesus did pay every single bit of that. And so as we close, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you could, please. As you're sitting here today, I want to encourage you. Whatever regret you have in your mind, to begin to respond to that regret in a way 
where you're going to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm done trying to hide from these regrets. I need to face them head on. Or you need to say, God, I can't handle these regrets keeping me awake at night. I've got to stop dwelling on these. I'm going to give these over to you. I can't carry them by myself. If you're here today, you need to just spend some time with the Lord. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song.